I'm Pastor Joseph Oliver. I'm the senior high youth pastor here at Allegheny Alliance Church. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to share God's word with you um, every single time I get a chance to do so. And this week, I get the chance to continue talking about our journeys with Jacob. And previously, you guys have heard Pastor Allen and Pastor Ross teach on what's been going on with Jacob. And today, you get to hear from me, which I hope you guys will be encouraged by. So, so far up until this point, we've witnessed Jacob going through this roller coaster of life. And in this roller coaster, like, I think about it in, in a way that only my brain and kind of how me and God relate, and it's like a documentary. And I think over the past few weeks, it's been like a, a documentary, or like a docu-series. It's been four parts so far, and the fifth part is, is this weekend. And, and one of the easiest ways I can relate to this, or kind of, and I hope as a sports fan, you guys can kind of follow along with this, is like I, I love documentaries, especially the ESPN, like 30 for 30s. How many of you guys have ever seen a 30 for 30 before? And, and they're great. They're so engaging. You know, like, it's like, man, I never knew this about Tiger Woods or, well, his life's always on TV or, or Lance Armstrong or, or somebody famous. Like, I, I get to see the, the details. But oftentimes with a 30 for 30, you kind of see the, the, the roller coaster of the celebrity, the athlete, the event, or the author, somebody that's famous. And you get to hear commentary from their friends, their peers, their executives, their, their trainers, their managers, and so on and so forth. And sometimes you get commentary from that actual famous person. And I think ESPN does a great job with doing those 30 for 30s. And it illustrates this triumphs as well as the defeats. And I think about that the same way I think about this journey with Jacob so far. These 30 for 30 that Jacob has displayed has shown a number of, number of things for us. A couple of those things in this 30 for 30 are, are one, Jacob trying to figure out God's will. We're following in God's way. Another one is Jacob had a struggle. He had a, a, a battle with doubt and questions. Jacob also had this battle with a relational conflict between him and his brother, but ultimately led to reconciliation. And he also experienced some evil and unjust acts. And if you've been following along in the scriptures with us as we've been teaching about this, Jacob's journey hasn't been pleasant, nor has it been easy. Rather, it's been a journey filled with challenges, choices, and changes. But no matter how you look at it or look about it, it Jacob's life can fit anywhere in our lives. And we can kind of compare and contrast some of the notes and some of the things that, in his reality that went on with our own. But what I love about God's word is he places a spotlight on the challenges and choices of every character. But what God also does, he also displays how they get blessed. And in Genesis 35, God places a spotlight on how Jacob returns to God. I think too often the spotlight is on our circumstances, just like in Jacob's journey. And we lose focus on God, who has been there and provided for us every single time. And his journeys with Jacob, we've learned that through these scriptures. So I believe Genesis 35 provides us with a route, a strategy for finding the way back to God. 
So let me say it this way. For anybody that's here, that's a follower, that you may have grown cold, you may have grown indifferent, you may have grown isolated, it's been challenging for you. This message today is is one to, to give you motivation to pursue. And if you have yet to follow Christ, there's some steps in here that's a strategy to help you to know who God is. I entitled this weekend's message, The Way. Would you join me in a word of prayer, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity, God, and for this platform. God, I am, I am no one without you. And God, with you, God, I, I ask that you would empower my words to go from these lips, God, to the hearts and minds of your people, wherever they are, if they're here in this place, place, if they're at home, if they're in their office, they're in their car, God, you would reach them by the power of your spirit. And God, as you utilize me to be your, your mouthpiece, God, your words would resonate so deep and be so rich to challenge your people to an ongoing, growing relationship with you. So God, bless us all as we look to you we look to your word to bring life change to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 35 begins with God calling out to Jacob. And it says this, starting in verse 1, it says this, Then God said to Jacob, Go to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. The way requires us to answer the call. God God calls out to Jacob to return to Bethel. In this verse, God has given Jacob this, this call, this direction, this command for him to follow. But leading up to this point, Jacob had previously ignored God's command to return to Bethel, which we saw in Genesis 31. Jacob continued to live his life more for himself than for the priority of who God was. It had been nearly 30 years since Jacob vowed to return to Bethel. This is where that poignant 30 for 30 is, because it only, it was 30 years that kept Jacob from going 30 miles. 30 years, 30 miles. Because prior to this, Jacob was not ready to answer the call of God. That 30 years added another 10 years within there. The 10 years within there, he wrestled with all the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, where he's just wrestling with battle after battle after battle. My God, what are you doing? And it illustrates what happens in Jacob's life. But if we're honest, we see this happen with followers of Jesus Christ in various stages of life. Of course, I work with teens and some young adults, and, and I meet with adults and, and talk with some of, some of our seniors here and elsewhere. And in talking to them, sometimes there's this conversation that comes up that says, right now, faith, God, Jesus, church. It's good. I'll come to it at some time. Not right now. They've shared that. They've said that. But then there's other things that, we, that, that people have said that we make vows. 
And I think sometimes as, as people, we are, we're very critical of ourselves and we make vows because we make them sometimes very simple, but yet they have very big complexities. And I know talking with teens, they say crazy things like this. They say, God, if you help me to get this job, I'll return to church. Okay. God, if you help me pass this test, for some of the young folks, it's the driver's test. Some of them, it's the test that they haven't studied for because they've been up all night playing Fortnite. It's, it's give me the answers to this test and I'll give you everything. I'll give you my life. So for some of the, the adults and young adults, it's, it's, God, if you help me to get this house, get this car, get this girlfriend or wife, or, or get this husband or boyfriend or this money, I will give you everything that I have. Or it's just, God, if I do this, or if you do this, I will do blank, and you can fill it in. But at some point in time, we've made that vow. And then when God comes to cash in that vow, we're not ready to answer what he says. The vow we made, like Jacob, we spend 10 years with misery before we have company with Jesus. But with a response like that, similar to Jacob, not responding to God can change our lives forever because we didn't respond in the 10 minutes after he commanded, the 10 hours, the 10 days, the 10 weeks, or potentially 10 years. Answering the call is simple, yet comes at a cost. The cost of not answering the call is even greater. For many of us in this, in this room and those watching online and listening, wherever you are, God has given us a command. He's given us a call. And sometimes God is calling us and he's wanting to cash that in. Some of the things that he may have asked of you is that he may have commanded you to pray with someone at the grocery store. But when he tried to cash that in, you're like, not right now. He may have commanded you to reconcile with a sibling or a friend. It's like, ah, God, mm, not right now. He may have called you to go to counseling for a traumatic event or circumstances happened in your life. He may have asked you just to spend time with him in worship. Whatever that is, God has called out to you to respond. And one of the things that he's doing for us is so important, it's so critical as we answer the call because what he's doing, it just as it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As we answer the call, we gain a greater sense of how God is working together for our good according to his purpose, not our purpose, but his purpose. And Jacob realized that. When he answered God, he realized God's going to do something different. Because the way requires us to answer the call. But I want to return to the scriptures and continue in verse, verses 2. And it says this, So Jacob said this to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, 
who answered me in the day of my distress, who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and their rings in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak tree at Sheshem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. This passage is, this, this segment of, of this chapter is filled with so much content, so much truth. And I, I just want to ex- explain two things. The first one is this, the way requires obedience. And the second thing is that the way requires surrender. And I don't want to give you like a point by point and say, hey, this is point number one, this is point number two, because in each of our lives, obedience may come first before surrender. And for some of us, surrender may come first before obedience. But for the sake of this message, I want to start with obedience. Because obedience to God's commands reveals our allegiance and our alignment with God's will rather than our own. As we read in verses two through five, Jacob heard the call of God. He took it to heart. And in his obedience, he did just as God called him to do. What we also learn about Jacob here is that he took on an additional step. He said, if I'm going to obey God, everyone that is here with me, in my family, in my household, that is part of my flock, that is here with me, you're going to do the same thing. This reminds me of my childhood. Hey, church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, was it prayer night, Wednesday night, worship team, and I'm not, I can't sing on Thursday night. Um, that, that, was the pro- that was the process. But in doing so, I had a glimpse of how important God was. And Jacob saw this here. And he instilled this with his family. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew why he was doing what God asked him to do. Obedience, for me, is difficult. It's one of the most challenging aspects, I think, of any of our lives. But besides being obedient to to God and scripture, there's one other thing that's very challenging for me to be obedient to. That's exercise and dieting. And I know you guys can laugh, it's okay. In some sense, we're all in that that boat like, oh, exercise. Is that a sin? No, or or dieting, that's a curse, I I don't know if I wanna do that. But I think about prior to this pandemic, I was exercising, playing basketball. I was eating healthy somewhat, um, trying to care about this beautiful figure that was a temple for God. But throughout the pandemic, you know, as, as, as Elizabeth said a number of weeks ago, it's like, oh, yeah, he looks like Thor up there in the, in the avatar. And I said, ah, uh, Thor, Marvel ca- comic book character, very muscular, very strong. For me, I was muscular Thor at one point. I've now become the round mound of rebound. And I'm just like, okay. And I'm not trying to poke fun at myself, but, there, but there's a reality there. In my exercising during the pandemic, I have done what I would call more spoon-ups than push-ups. I've done more feet-ups, you know, with the ottoman in front, TV remote in, in hand. I've done more of that than I've done sit-ups. I've eaten more twisted ice cream, you know, the chocolate and vanilla. More and I've done these little simple abdominal twists. I I could be getting rid of this roundness that I have. But you can see where I'm going with this. 
Soon as I'm no longer obedient to the techniques, the strategy of the diet or the exercise, I lose and move away from the progress that I've made. Then I set myself back. For everyone, the challenge of obedience is, is real. It's, the challenge is real. The challenge for us is consistency in our obedience. As James 1, 1.22 provides a reminder for us is this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We hear the call of God that provides instruction for us to follow. Just like with exercise and dieting, God requires obedience to what he says. But will we merely listen to God's word? And I hope all of us say no. Because our obedience to his word, being with God, and then doing what it says, doing for God, it reflects on who is the authority of our lives. Where has God called you to do something and you didn't obey? What has hindered your obedience to God's call? Because obedience is not just hearing the word. It's doing what it says. Because the way requires obedience. The way to God requires obedience. But along with obedience, the way requires surrender. Surrender is the relinquishing of the resistance that hinders our relationship with God. In verse 2, Jacob tells his household this to his family members. It's going to pop up. There we go. Amazing technology, right? Get rid of all, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. And purify yourselves and change your clothes. Jacob shared this with them because the foreign gods were the resistance. It was the hindrance that was in the way of God bringing change, not only in Jacob's life, but in the lives of the people that followed Jacob. If those foreign gods were not removed, it would be challenging for them to surrender to the authority and the, and the commands of God. These, I will call them idols. The foreign gods that this family had possessed was acquired by Rachel back in Genesis 31. A lot of things happened in 31, if you go back and read that. But it's interesting. I want to add this little caveat here. It's interesting how one person in this family acquired an idol and it affected the family for a short time and a long time. One idol changed the focus of a family, the focus of a nation. One idol. The possession of that one idol changed what they were doing. And Jacob knew that if those idols remained, God would have some challenges on his hands. Jacob also knew he would have some more. Our culture, our society today is bombarded by a barrage of foreign gods that are trying to establish residence and take precedent 
in the lives of people that are followers of Christ and those that are not. Let me give you a a short list of some of those idols or foreign gods. Uh, Maybe one is pride or ego. Look at all my my accomplishments. Look at my cars. Look at my my house. Look Look at all the stuff that I got. I'm better than you. Or maybe it's politics. I know we've been talking about that for a number of weeks, but statements like this, I am, I am on the right. No, you should be on the left. But it doesn't matter left or right if you're, if you're not right and you're left behind by Christ. I, I hope you guys catch that or some, some of your friends or some of the people catch that. Like, it doesn't matter if you, you know, if you're on the left or the right, because if you're not right, you might get left behind. Or maybe it's our image. I have to look the best when we come to church. When we go to our office, when we go, to, when we go in our house, I got to look the best. I got to be the best. It's all about how I look, but I can look good and still be empty on the inside. Only if I valued my image of who, the, the image that I'm created in more than the image I'm cr- trying to create. Maybe it's our possessions. I love to have stuff. But what profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Maybe that idol is racism. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's status or it's clout. If you don't know what clout is, you, you can look it up after the service. Or maybe it's followers. For, for those that are on Facebook and, and Instagram and TikTok and, chit, and, and Snapchat, chit-chat, it doesn't matter how many followers you have if Christ is not the number one follower that's in your heart. We can continue this list of stuff going on and on and on and on and on. But some of these foreign gods have made an impact on our lives and the lives of people all around us. And I had to look at my own life and examine where the foreign gods are in my life. The things that are keeping me from uh, desiring God, pursuing who God is and what God wants for me. And I experienced that in this pandemic. And, and I'm, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, I have my flaws. But if it wasn't for God, because there's not enough apologies that I could say to change what has happened. But if I follow God, he has reassured me that he can wipe things clean. I believe this point challenges us to take some self-reflection, some introspection. As you look at your life in the present, reflecting on the past, what are the foreign gods that you have acquired? What are some of those idols? What are the foreign gods or the idols that have impacted your relationships? The relationship with God, your family, your friends. And again, the body of Christ. What's gotten in the way? Because the way to God requires surrender. So we got to put some things down so that we can embrace God. Because surrender to God's will requires the removal of idols that are idle and constantly hindering our relationship with God. So we look at this and there's these, these things that are happening, the call Answering the call, the obedience, 
the surrender. But I want to give you this exciting news that there's something that's a, a, a great point for us. And I want to go back to the scriptures and go to uh, verse 9. It says this, after Jacob returned to Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. And a nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. What this shows us right here, what this tells us right here is that following God, following God has a great reward and he provides us with a new identity. Following a way provides us a new identity. Jacob, a man that experienced brokenness, separation, seemingly irreconcilable differences, sexual misconduct in his family and wrestling with faith was rewarded with a blessing when he answered God's call. A new identity. The name Jacob mentioned had so much baggage to it. But God blessed him as he responded and as he was obedient. Out of the new identity, God reassured him that, that those who would come after him, that those that would follow him, would also experience that reward. It would reach his descendants, his descendants' descendants. But in this new identity, is one of a kind. There's freedom in this new identity. But there's something about baggage. There's something about this, that when you have baggage, you kind of put it on, right? And backpacks don't fit this way, but there's all these things that are happening. And you may fit with some of these things, but then you, you pick up some more baggage and you're carrying it through your life. But then there's some more. And you're walking, good old duct tape. You're walking. And you're trying to walk in this new identity that God has for you. And you have all this stuff. And I'm a pretty strong guy. But just like Jacob had to walk 30 miles, for, it, 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 to go 30 miles, he couldn't do it, carrying all this weight. His new identity, he couldn't walk in this. Alan, I'm going to have you come up. This is one of those things that you walk in, you carry all this baggage. And one of the things about carrying all this baggage, trying to live in this new identity, it hinders a lot of things. And one of the things that it hinders is that when you get this new identity and you start to know who Christ is, and some of us have experienced this, you want to worship, but you can't lift your hands. There's so much stuff in the way when you're trying to lift up your hands to God with this new identity. But then when you try to get down on your knees, you can't get down on your knees because you can't see where the floor is. You can't see, and it's sometimes the weight is so heavy that you can't even lift your eyes to who God is because it's, the pressure is weighing your head down. But there's something about God. And I hope you all experience it. 
that when we surrender, we walk in obedience to what he's called us to, he starts to do things that change all the things of our lives. He starts to take these things that are baggage, that are weighing us down, and he starts to go like this, I want you to surrender this to me so that you can lift one hand. So you start to walk in this new identity. But then you're sitting there saying, but God, there's this other stuff on this other side that I can't let go of. I need some help. But then he brings people alongside you. Like my friend, Pastor Allen, and he's going to come over. And he's, and he's sitting there like this. He's like, he's like, Joe, what's going on? You need some help. I said, I'm having a hard time worshiping. And what he does, he, he steps in the gap with me. And as I'm lifting one hand, he helps me lift the other hand. Because that's what the body of Christ does. We walk alongside one another as another one walks in, in their new identity. We don't leave them stranded. That's not what God commanded. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So I'm sitting there like, God, I can't do this by myself. But I was like, yeah, but you want to know something, brother? I'm right there with you. But you want to know something? He hasn't left me. When others have, the other ones that have brought on some of these things have left me. They're not there, but he is. But God is. He said, I want you to walk in this new identity. Because what happens when you walk with God and you walk with his people, he starts to do this. But what he also does, he, he looks at the things that you're still holding on to. He's like, I know this is deep. I know this is going to hurt. But you want to know something? I want to have to sever some things for you to shake it off. Because that's the only way God may be able to speak to you. So that you walk in your new identity. Jacob's not the only one that had his name changed. As a follower of Christ, you did too. Because what did he say? He said, you are chosen. You are a son of the most high God. You are a daughter of the most high God. You are a royal priesthood. Amen. You are royalty. Because you want to know something about royalty? And if you know royalty, nobody, you don't carry your bag. Somebody else carries it for you. Amen. So why should I pick this up when I have a God that goes like this? <laughs> you don't need that. Don't pick it up no more. Walk in your newness. Walk in it. Don't allow these things to keep you from me. Allow these things to push you through to me. Amen. Because that's the way that God wants to work. God does it very simple, but it comes at a cost. Are you willing to answer the call that he's calling out to you? Because some of us, he's been calling. He's been calling. Knocking on the door, waiting for you to open it so you can have him come and eat with you. Stop letting him knock on the door, let him come in. And as he comes in, listen to what he has to say so that as you surrender your heart, your life to him, you become obedient. Or as you become obedient, you start to surrender some of this baggage so that as you walk in this new identity, it, it, you, you kind of dance a little bit. 
You kind of get prepped up because when you come to church, you go, God, I'm ready without expectation to say, God, do what you, what you want to do with me as you please. As I walk into my house, God, do with me as you please. As the enemy wants to try to attack my children, God, I'm still going to worship you. God, when, you try, when, when the enemy wants to come and go, listen, you might not have the money today. The bills, the lights, the utilities, it's not showing up. But God's like, watch what I do. I'll give you more than enough. That's the God that I serve. That's the God I hope that you get it. You, you, you start to experience the freedom, the joys, the excitement of living for him. Amen. To close this out, I want to, I, I, I ask you, wherever you are, if you're watching online, if you're at home, if you're in your car, I want you to, and you might be in your car, don't stand up, because it'd be a little bad. But we're going to stand up here in this place. And John's going to lead us in a song, it's called The Way, like the title of the message, it's, it's called The Way. Because through every battle, through every heartbreak, there is a God that shows up in our lives. So congregation, would you stand as John leads us in worship? Every battle, every heartbreak, every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. Oh, I believe that every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take, I believe that you are provider, you are protector, you are the one I love. Oh, I believe you are the way, the truth the life I believe you are the way oh the truth the life I believe it's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today with mercies out of new all my fears and doubts they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, Jesus, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe you are. Yeah, yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends, my family, the, the body of Christ that is here in this place and that is going to hear this message. God, there truly is a way that is no, there is no other way that can contend with it. 
and that's following after you, Jesus. And God, for my friends that are here and, and those that are watching, God, there's some of us that, that something stuck to our heart tonight, something that we are wrestling with, and God, you have laid it there. God, may we wrestle with you, that God, our lives are changed by you and by you alone, and that draws us nearer to you than our circumstance. And it shows us, God, that there's a way out. So God, I pray for breakthrough for some of our family. I pray for healing for some of our family, God. I pray for God that you will be, you, they would see you as the ultimate provider, the God Almighty that we serve. That God, as they, as they follow you, they would really experience the goodness, the greatness, the majesty, the magnificence of the Almighty God. We pray all this in the name of Christ, your son. Amen.